Please be seated. And uh, you can turn in your scriptures to, or, uh, or your bulletins to Isaiah chapter 2. This Advent, we are going to be uh, following the lectionary um, readings from the prophet Isaiah as he speaks of the day of the Lord that we are preparing for in the season of Advent. In the wee hours of the morning in June of 2017, Alex uh, Honnold woke from his sleep, rose in the dark, and made his way to Yosemite National Park. By 5.32 a.m., he was climbing the face of El Capitan by the pink light of dawn. And he did so without any ropes to catch him. If he fell, he fell. For seven years, Alex Honnold prepared for this day to be the only man, the first man, to climb El Capitan free solo. He prepared by climbing mountains in Morocco, China, and Europe over those seven years. He prepared by mapping out El Capitan's every nook and cranny and actually memorizing it as much as he could. He prepared by keeping a strict vegetarian diet without any alcohol, even coffee, come to think of it. He prepared by seeking help from a supportive team. And on this day in June of 2017, his preparation would be tested, tested with every hold, tested with every grab, tested with every breath over the span of four and a half hours of climbing without ropes. He would either die or he'd become the first climber to free solo the face of El Capitan. And it all depended on those seven years of intense and focused preparation. The prophet Isaiah uh, this morning pictures a mountain that we are all called to climb. And it's called the mountain of the house of the Lord. This mountain represents the presence of God and the kingdom of Jesus. This mountain really, it's a metaphor for all of God's good purposes coming to fruition at the end of history. And like, like Alex Honnold, we have a chance to prepare for this climb now. So we're going to do two things. First, we're going to study the mountain and consider why this peak is worth climbing in the first place. And that's going to be from the prophet Isaiah. The second thing we're going to consider is uh, one important way that Isaiah mentions at the very end to prepare ourselves for this climb. So why to climb the mountain, how to, how to prepare to climb the mountain. Why would we ever want to climb this mountain? The mountain of the house of the Lord that will be revealed on the last day. Well, this mountain represents God's great triumph over all of human history and over every kingdom that has ever existed. Let's listen to the prophet Isaiah as he says in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations will flow to it. Isaiah is describing here the end of history. In his words, the latter days, when all is said and done, the house of the Lord, his temple, will sit atop the highest and brightest peak of power in the world. 
Mountains and hills here are a metaphor for the empires and kingdoms of history. They are ever rising and falling, swelling and diminishing. Over Thanksgiving break, we played the board game Risk with our extended family. Now, Risk is this game where you experience the rising and falling of human empires. One minute, you're ruling the entire continent. The next minute, you're retreating to your holdout in Nova Scotia. Playing Risk gives us just a little bit of a glimmer of the fleeting taste, the fleeting glimpse of power. Nations rise and fall, don't they? They consolidate resources, they make alliances, they become an empire, and then they diminish. Ideologies spread like wildfire. They capture hearts and minds, breathless adherents, and eventually, you know what? They run their course. Cultures bloom with influence before wilting and decaying in the soil of history. People rise and fall. One minute, they're feared and loved, titans of industry, swollen with power on top of their game. The next minute, they are forgotten. No one remembers them. One man tells the story of calling up a United States senator who had, been, who had recently lost his bid for re-election. This is just about a decade ago. The senator had been his party's majority leader, one of the most powerful people in the country. He calls him up and the man answers the phone. The United States senator answers the phone. They have a conversation. Later, the caller spoke with this man's assistant, expressing surprise that this, this man, this one of the most powerful men in the world, answers the phone and, call, and, and uh, talks with him. And his assistant said, you know what? You would be surprised how little the phone rings when you're no longer in power. Human history is like a mountain range in flux. The valleys and the hills and the mountains, they're always just exchanging places. But at the end of human history, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills. It's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will stand forever. The temple of God will triumph in the end and it will shine like a city on a hill. And we, you and I, you know, we want to have a stake in that kingdom. We will want to have access to the temple of the Lord. We will, be want, we will want to be named as citizens of that country. We can prepare now for that because this mountain represents God's great triumph. And from that triumph will actually come his teaching. Isaiah continues his vision in verse 3. And many people shall come, Isaiah says, and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his paths and that we may walk in uh, his, uh, teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Can we hear the desire of the nations to get to the top of this mountain and learn? Many people want to go up together, Isaiah says, Groups from all over the world plan their pilgrimage. And there's something attracting them to the top. There's a magnet at the top of this mountain, and this magnet is the teaching ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is willing to host them in his house. It's the house of the Lord, and he wants to, to have them over. 
and to teach them. Remember Jesus in his earthly ministry. His ministry was inviting the hungry multitudes to be fed by him and to be taught by him. He fed them and he taught them his ways. He invited them to become his apprentices, to follow him, to be made new. This is part of the appeal of the end time mountain of the Lord, that Jesus is still inviting the hungry multitudes and the nations and the peoples to come to the top of the mountain, to sit at his feet, to be fed, to be hosted, and to learn. The Lord's kingdom is a teaching kingdom. You can go be in his presence, stay in his house and learn his ways. And he's inviting all apprentices, students, really anyone who wants their lives to change, anyone who wants their families to change, anyone who wants their communities to change, their nations to change from top to bottom. He's willing to apprentice you, to teach you, and to guide you. You can just come to the top of the mountain and learn the ways of God, the laws of God. And and this is like a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. People want that lamp. They want that light because they realize in the end, this was the right path all along. After all of the ideologies have run their course, people are going to want the law of God. They're going to want his guidance. They're going to want his teaching. As Jesus said in his uh, discourse from St. Matthew, you know, his words are never going away. They're always going to stand. They're going to be proven true at the end of history. And he's going to not just teach us, stuff our heads with knowledge. He's going to touch our hearts. He's going to bring top to bottom peace and shalom to every part of human society. And Isaiah's vision paints a beautiful picture of this taking place in verse four. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Can you imagine that? Neither shall they learn war anymore. As Tolstoy said, you may not be interested in war, but war is interested in you. And all of us know a little bit more war and a little bit more conflict than we want and we're interested in. War is a little bit too interested in human history, in the falling and rising of mountains and valleys and hills. How do those mountains rise? They rise often through violence, manipulation, lies. And here we have at the end of human history, the healing of harms. As as, uh, Tolkien said, the healing of harms. The Lord will sort through the wreckage of history. And he will offer finally in the end justice and restitution where there has been conflict, where there has been manipulation and pain. He will resolve long-standing disputes between tribes and dissolve rivalries and resentments. People will apprentice under the prince of peace. He will teach them his trademark secret, how to turn weapons of war into sources of life. He's the master at that. The prince of peace himself entered human history. Right as the mountain of the Roman Empire had swelled to its height, King Jesus endured a weapon far worse than a a sword or a spear. He was flayed by a Roman whip and pinned to a Roman cross. And he overcame the violence of our world through his sacrifice on the cross and through his resurrection. And the cross, you know, it used to be, it was the original politics of fear. It was meant to freak us out so that we would not question the Roman empire. 
Now the cross is a source of life and healing. He did that himself. That's the Prince of Peace. Now I want you to imagine at the end of history, Jesus taking uh, peoples of the earth into his smithery on the top of the mountain. He's got, he's got a group. He's got a huddle, each one representing one of the nations. And he says to the small assembly uh, gathered around him, okay, class, welcome to, uh, welcome to our, our class today. Today we're going to learn how to turn violent weapons into gardening tools and other useful objects. So let's just hand over all of your machine guns, your lawsuits, your swords, your slanderous tweets, your drone missiles, your poisons, your nuclear weapons, your blackmail letters, your lasers, your tasers, and your financial extortion. Just hand them all over. Let's put them into the smithery because you're not going to need those anymore. I'm going to teach you my secret. I'm going to teach you how to turn all of those weapons into plowshares and words of encouragement and works of art and monuments of justice and pruning hooks and solar-powered reading lights. You're going to take these tools back into your communities and back into your families, and we're going to live at peace forever and ever. That's the teaching ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ on the top of that mountain. Most importantly, Jesus is just going to change our tools. He's going to change our hearts because it is the human heart that needs to be brought to peace, to learn the ways of peace, to learn to love God and love neighbor like, we, like we've never known before. He will transform our, our pride, our swollen pride into humility. He will transform our greed into generosity, open-hearted generosity, just like the Father. He'll transform our selfishness into self-giving. We won't learn war anymore. We won't need war anymore. War will no longer be interested in us, and we will no longer be interested in it. Why should we prepare to climb the mountain of the Lord? My friends, this is a glorious mountain. Can you feel yourself wanting to go up there now? It's a teaching mountain that invites pilgrims to learn his ways of true justice. This is a much better mountain to climb and a much better kingdom to learn than any of the rising and falling mountains of this world. It is the El Capitan, my friends, worthy of our preparation. So, if we do want to go up there, how should we prepare now in the time that we have, even today? Because if we want to be ready then, our preparations need to begin now. Isaiah ends with a very simple way for us to prepare. Verse five, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You want to go up to the mountain then? All right, it's time to walk in the light of the Lord now. Walking in the light of the Lord is preparation for ascending the mountain of the Lord. Um, through Jesus, the latter days have begun even now. We can enter his house now. We can honor him as our king now. We can become his apprentices and learn his ways of peace. Now we don't have to wait to learn the law and the ways and the paths of the Lord. We can walk in his light now. It's the perfect way to prepare for the climb. You know, it's like we prayed earlier in the service, that great collect, almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
now in the time, now in the time of this mortal life, in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. This prayer was inspired by St. Paul. In his words, um, in our New Testament reading, um, which is not in your bulletin, but it's in the lectionary, when Paul says this, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know, one of the last things that Alex Honnold did to prepare for his climb, for his free solo climb, is he spent hours actually going up his path, of course, with ropes, and he was feeling the wall and trying to find any loose stones and pebbles that could trip him up or that could trip up the, the filming crew that was going to go up with him. He didn't want anyone falling and he didn't want to fall. So he made sure that his whole path was completely clear of any, uh, any loose stones or any loose pebbles that could sabotage his victory. Now, St. Paul in Romans 13 lists many of the loose rocks and stones that have tri uh, tripped up many people on their way up the mountain of the Lord. Um, in, in Romans 13, 9, he reminds us what the Ten Commandments forbid, adultery, murder, stealing, coveting. And then in verse 13, he mentions drunkenness, orgies, sexual immorality, quarreling, and jealousy. These are the loose stones and pebbles that could really trip us up. And, and, uh, these are works of darkness, actually, that we need to cast off by the grace of God. Why? Because they cling too closely. They steal our joy. They weigh us down and they harm the people around us, even people that we interact with anonymously over the internet. John Chrysostom, a noted early church pastor, observed that getting drunk tends to multiply the appeal of both lust and anger. And, you know, I read that, I was like, it's still true, actually. It's still true. In another letter, St. Paul contrasts getting drunk with being full of the Spirit of God. Getting drunk, and we could also add getting high using THC products. You know what it does? It dulls our God-given capacity to love God and love neighbor with all of our heart and soul and mind. It impairs our judgment. It diminishes our willpower and it weakens our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. When we're most tempted towards anger or lust in an acute way, that's actually when we most need our judgment, our willpower, and our spiritual strength. It's one thing to enjoy a drink to God's glory. It's part of creation. And it's quite another to give ourselves over to drunkenness and to make it part of our lifestyle. If that's a temptation at all for you, my friends, this Advent, I want to invite you to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
What about anger? Are you tempted towards anger, rage against your neighbor when you could bless them or when you could at least not curse them? Friend, now is the time to prepare for the mountain of the Lord. Now is the time to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Are you in an ongoing sexual relationship outside of a covenant marriage? What about pornography? Has it attached itself to your life? Friend, now is the time to cast off the works of darkness by the grace of God and put on the armor of light. Ask the Lord to cover you with his light as a protective armor against the darkness and as a torch to guide your steps. Ask him to envelop your whole life, your whole soul in his light and ask him to lead you to walk in that light. Ask him to help you take steps to master your passions and appetites. Ask him to redirect all that money and energy to bless your neighbor. You know, Alex Honnold did make it to the top of El Capitan after all. He looked out over the horizons, raised his arms in the air, and shouted with triumph after four and a half hours, after seven years of preparation. And he once said this, I've learned that the trajectory of one's life often boils down to a few identifiable moments, decisions that change everything. I knew all too well that moments like these were not to be squandered. Rather, they were to be respected and seized at all costs, for they didn't just come around that often, if ever. This Advent, the season of Advent, is our moment, my friends. It's our definable moment to be respected and seized and acted upon. There's a merciful window of time. One day, the whole world will recognize that Jesus is King. His mountain will be lifted up above the hills and nations will flow to it. But the hour has come for us to prepare for his arrival. Now is the time to gear up and train for the climb by walking in his light. As St. Paul said in Romans 13, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is gone, the day is at hand. So give us grace, almighty God, to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Give us courage, Prince of Peace, to beat our swords into plowshares. Give us the strength, Holy Spirit, to love God and our neighbor. Thank you for inviting us up the mountain to be with you and learn from you. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen.